and welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic, a podcast where we drink and discuss nerdy fiction, and where the bells mean points, but the points mean absolutely nothing. I'm Adam. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. <laughs> this is episode one of season three of our sci-fi podcast, and man are we excited to be back. Uh, we may be a little bit rusty, I may be a little bit rusty, I won't speak for the guys, but today we are discussing the 2021 behemoth of a novel, Termination Shock by Neil... Stevenson, and there are sighs yeah. and exasperated looks around the room as I say this. Behemoth is a good mm. word. Leviathan yes. could also work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but first, we want to share a huge thank you to everyone who has joined us on Podbean. We may have taken a break for the summer, but you do not sleep Podbean. Hot damn. Our listenership has grown immensely, and we appreciate everyone who went back and listened to our earlier episodes while we were reading this tome for y'all. We want to thank... Uh, our followers on Twitter, there's almost a thousand of you guys now, and we are excited about that. I feel like once you get to 1K, doesn't like Jack Dorsey show up at your doorstep and like shake your hand or something? That is my understanding. I think Elon Fucking Musk tries to buy your house, <laughs> and what's then he, backs what's out. Gonna, what's he going to offer me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've you know bought two houses in my lifetime, and I can say good luck getting out of that contract because New York State Realty <laughs> is a bitch. Yeah. Right. So, if you like what you hear today, why not take a second to rate us and leave a review wherever you listen? It'd be a big help, and it's totally free. If you're ra- if rating isn't your thing, mentioning us to a nerdy friend would be just as good. And while you're at it, mention and check out our blog, More Than Just Books, as well. Now that summer's over, uh, that's back too, and we'll be posting some new and nerdy discussions, including Steven Erickson's epic... Malazan book of the Fallen series and the work of young filmmaker Robert Eggers, whose Viking epic The Northman dropped earlier this year. I just like saying that. The Northman. <laughs> the Northman. <laughs> Alright, so now on for the drink today. We were all stuck for a little bit trying to come up with something. For a while I was thinking let's get that, that fancy pea flower tea so it like changes color on screen and all that shit. But you know what I thought? The one thing that I walk away from this book with is that sulfur changes the atmosphere. (laughs) And the atmosphere changed changes sunsets. So what we have here is a modified tequila sunrise. I'm uh, anecdotally calling it a Pinatubo sunrise in honor or dishonor of the book. Hmm. Uh, It is your standard tequila sunrise, so that's tequila, orange juice, but I've also added equal parts of lemoncello in it and then floated the grenadine at the bottom so it looks like a sunrise. It's all red and warm at the bottom, and then it lights up to orange at the top. Uh, see Mike's post on Twitter yeah. uh, to uh, get a good pick of the spread for tonight. But Very nice-looking drink. Here thank you. Yes. Here's open. It tastes as good as it looks. All right. Gentlemen, here's being back. Salute. Nice. Cheers. Well, that could be dangerous. That tastes like orange juice. <laughs> yeah, that could, that could go wrong quickly with yeah. one of these. <laughs> yeah. Give me a, a bowl of Cheerios and uh, I'll drink about a, a pint of this fast. <laughs> there you go. That's almost what you have there in that glass. Um, yeah. The proportions for a tequila sunrise never felt right to me, but I didn't want to like go way off and add like seven shots of tequila and then the limoncello in case it was there, but I think the limoncello hides the tequila, actually. Mm. So, yeah, I'm glad I made a pitcher and have already poured it out to each of us in equal measure. <laughs> That's, this is this is quite tasty. The I'll lemon is it. a nice. Uh, it's got like a nice. I don't know what the hell you'd call it in drinking terms, but it's got like a nice bouquet or whatever or mm. after flavor. I'm enjoying it. 
I'm and glad. You said there's tequila in here. You wouldn't know it. Yeah, I wouldn't have detected it. So for three pints, I added six shots of tequila. Okay. So there's essentially two shots per Two beverage. shots each? All and right. then there's um, a shot and a half of limoncello per beverage in here. So sitting at about three, if it evens out, in terms of when you mix it and everything. I got so, some lime wedges here, and we can. That's right. We can find some salt, or we can use cayenne pepper, and we can. <laughs> there you go. Band's getting back together with some body shots. Let's oh, right out of my my hairy navel. Yeah. Oh, we joke about that a lot. All right, so we're gonna enjoy our drink. Hopefully, you have a chance now. You know the recipe, and check out the um, episode notes, the show notes for the recipe again. If I went too fast, but we're gonna chow down on some wings that Mike brought, and some fantastic. Um, what have you? Been calling it? It's Mexican street corn dip. It's so good. Thank you. We're gonna fill our stomachs before we get too loopy and start talking to you. We'll see you all on the other side. All right, we are back here uh, enjoying the scrumptious wings Mike has smoked and that dip that Sean's brought. But I think we should probably bring it back around to the book. And that may tell you where this cast is going about this book, but that's all right. Um, we have done one Neil Stevenson cast before. We read Snow Crash um, early, early in our podcasting lives. Number together. two. Number two. Yeah. But uh, do you guys have anything to add about your appreciation, understanding, Neil Stevenson, anything about that personally? He's a great author. Regardless of what else you hear this <laughs> evening, please remember Neil Stevenson is a great author. Longtime listeners of the cast will recall my feelings on Snow Crash. And how and eventually how I, did, I did come around a little bit on some of the things. And in secondary thoughts, I realized that I might have been a bit harsh. Sure. This book did not help much with my initial mm. assessment of Neil mm-hmm. Stevenson's work. So, no. yeah. If we didn't get you right liquored now. up that night and got you to admit you were wrong, you would be like, no, nope, I'm still right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get into it then. Uh, much was made of the first thousand pages. I mean, it felt like a thousand pages, but it was probably the first 500 pages. To create the world and characters, what did you think of the near future setting and how the different countries were portrayed through their respective... I thought of them as like avatars, like each character represented a country or Venice, because Venice isn't a country, but what did you think of the the world and the characters meant to represent the different Netherlanders? You're getting dangerously close to the city we became with that kind of talk, man. Oh, don't get me started, (laughs) but I mean, I felt similar feelings to city. Mike, why did you take that? Well, I I think that I've discovered that Cli-Fi, as it is called. Yeah. yeah. This is a subgenre of sci-fi. Oh. Yeah. It's it's a sub subgenre of sci-fi. It's a subgenre of dystopian literature specifically focused on the near present near future or just present, uh, focusing on climate disasters because of climate change. I learned something. Thank you. Thank and, you guys. And, you yeah, and this to be clear, this was not edited in later. Adam just did that live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've discovered uh, that you know I I don't want to knock the genre. I'm sure the genre is great if if that's your jam, but it is not mine. Uh, I have not seen or read anything that could be classified, at least off the top of my head, as cli-fi that I enjoyed at all. Uh, So as far as the setting of this book, um, I mean, in as much as there was a setting at all, because it moved around so much and it was mostly just people 
talking about literally nothing to each other very often through text message. That's generous. Um, I'm, you know, I don't know. It, it, and what's a shame is it started out kind of cool. Uh, like the whole thing of like a sort of... Um, a pig plane crash? Yeah, the, the fucked up future <laughs> Texas, which is like, you know, 130 degrees and overrun by wild pigs. Indistinguishable from current Texas. And and then the whole thing of like a giant alligator chasing those pigs across the runway and that's what causes that all sounded really cool. Yeah. Um but it, it just it never never went anywhere from there. Um th- those are just my thoughts on the setting. Not impressed. Yeah. I you know I started this book with a bit of a um, personal trying to redeem myself for you guys with my appreciation of Stevenson. Oh, I appreciate that. And I'm sorry I, how it turned I out. tried. I really did. I mean, like you were saying, the dystopian-ish sort of near Texas. I just was in Texas last year, and it's okay. The thing about the the ants going into the AC generators mm. there and all that stuff causing these problems. Like his level of minutia. I'm like, okay, I get it now. I understand. I've read one of his books. I kind of see where he's going with this. Let's see where the story goes. And just like Mike said, it went nowhere fast. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, nowhere very slowly. Yeah. Let's see where this story goes. (laughs) Implies that there is a story. We literally have a cast text message thread, and Mike and I were like, I need to take a fucking break right the fuck right now. I did. I I didn't think it was that bad, (laughs) which surprised me. Yeah, but I sat sat on a plane for 12 hours trying to, like, rule through the thing. And maybe that helped. Maybe just being in in a... you know, tin capsule flying around the world trying to compress this novel down so I can do it might have helped my take. But afterwards, I look back on it going like, no, no, that was dreadful. You were accurate in the first place. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was trying too hard to make it work, and it didn't work. So I, I just want to jump in here to say, uh, we picked this book uh, because um, Snow Crash, to this day, is by far our most downloaded uh, episode. And I think it had some of the most back and forth in our conversations. It did. It was it was a good episode. Everyone should go check it out. Uh, but um, so we thought, let's do another Stevenson. And there is so many, there are, excuse me, there are so many good Stevenson books. And we're like, you know, a new one just came out. We should probably do that. Yeah. Strike while the iron's hot. Sure. Hit the new one. And that was a mistake that uh, I, I seriously regret. I, I will be it was honest. It on my radar, too, though. I mean, I'll take blame for it. I'll be honest. I have been dreading this cast because Neil Stevenson is an author that has brought me, over the last 15 years, so much joy, so many hours of great reading experience. He's an author I recommend to people almost regardless of what they're into. Uh, I can speak so highly of so many of his books. There are a number of his books that I have not read yet that the, you know, people who love Stevenson, uh, you know, speak very highly of and that are definitely, I haven't lost the faith. I will read Mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I don't know where this book came from. Uh, If you had handed, usually you can tell if you're reading a Stevenson book. If you had handed this to me and said, who's the author and taken the name off of it, I never would have guessed. It was devoid of almost everything that makes this author great. There was no entertaining characters. Mm -hmm. The dialogue was dry. The characters were stupid. And even the concept, you know, we've, we've talked about how Stevenson in our last cast, we talked about how he's a writer of ideas. There were no ideas here. This was just global warming's happening. What if a billionaire shot a gun off to try to change that? And that was it. That was the extent of it. Yeah. I like that premise. That's the thing. It's like, well, Les Claypool said they can't all be humdingers, right? Yeah. Like the guy's Uh got a great body of work. 
check them out. This is probably one you might want to pass on unless you're really very passionate about climate change and geoengineering. It's the premise for me was fascinating. I'm like, okay, this rogue billionaire Texan is just going to launch sulfur into the atmosphere to attempt to try and cool the planet a little bit so he doesn't lose his property values in Houston or whatever. I'm here for that. That's cool. Oh, there's a chain reaction. Other people are getting on board. I kept waiting for the stakes. I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. Exactly. And it devolves into this. Zero stakes. This dude from the Punjab just like shows up and he's going to blow something up, but not really a big deal because this other guy stops him with some like drone hunting eagles. Yeah. And, like, ah, yeah. oh, it's over. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. Like, I, I was waiting. Sorry, I got to do this. No, I got to do fine. this. You're fine. Do it. I got, I was waiting. I was fucking waiting for it. <laughs> I was waiting for the, oh, here's a guy coming out of the ocean on a fucking submarine shooting a giant glass spear at something like in yeah, the last book. Right. I was waiting for reason or whatever the, oh, I, I was reason. waiting for the balls out. Oh, here's Steven. It fucking didn't happen. Fuck this book. Yeah. Yeah. First of the season. There you go. And I was say the same thing. As like, you know, I am worried about climate change i do what i can in every single way including you know like political action stuff whatever but at the same time the title idea of termination shock did not get introduced fucking page yes and it did nothing for the whole thing no stakes in that and really gonna have to edit that in post to compress that down but and if locks from canada had been introduced and had been this badass half cyber ninja warrior with drones. He didn't even know about. I thought he was an interesting character yeah. at the end. Right. Did I need 400 pages of him fighting Gatka style in the line of actual control in the Himalayas? Fuck to the no. Right. Fuck no. You know, conversely, but I though, did like that India used him. The Punjab used him, and like that's an interesting thing. If the book had started on page six hundred, I might have been more interested. Yeah, that to me would have been a great book on its own. Yeah, had he just focused on the line of actual control, which is a real thing. I went mm-hmm. and looked it up afterwards. I'm like, this can't be that legit. And I'm like, oh, he's it actually is. pretty close to what is really going on there. I'm like, well, that could yeah. make for a pretty compelling story. No, we got a fucking throwaway, almost like, oh, these are the uh, the every other chapters from uh, Grapes of Wrath that you just kind of skip through when you're reading in school. Like nobody reads those fucking things, and right. the guy had no great. I nope. actually skipped all things of wrath for the record. <laughs> <laughs> now this, I, I, you know, I, again, I, I'm at a loss to account for uh, where this book, you know, even came from. It's it's sort of like having listened to the body of work that uh, a certain 1960s uh, folk artist put out. <laughs> we're gonna bring. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna, those of you who all things to season one should go. You talk about Robert Dylan. All things come full circle. Um, no, I was I was talking about Donovan actually. Oh. No, Bob oh. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Uh, you know, uh, the stuff that he put out in the 1980s, hard to account for. I mean, the guy went serious, like, fundamentalist Christian mm-hmm. for a while. And you know what? Even that, whatever, if the music's good, it wasn't. Yeah. No. Um, and it, it's hard to believe that the guy, you know, who wrote, like, you know, uh, any of, of the countless anthems that he's written uh, could possibly have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. I guess that happens with artists sometimes. Sure. One of the greatest things about reading Neil Stevenson, longtime readers of him will, will tell you, his digressions are the best. Sometimes you don't know where they're going, but they're always interesting, and then they always do tie back into the sure. central concept. Yeah. It's like David Foster Wallace. That's yes. You know, if you can hold on yes. to a, a David Foster Wallace novel, you get it eventually. And you can compare Stevenson at his best to really great writers. Mm-hmm. I, I have said before that reading uh, his book Cryptonomicon, which I think came out either in 99 or 2000-ish, 
Um, <laughs> but that is very similar to reading a Thomas Pynchon novel. Sure. Very similar. No, I'm, I'm talking right. about like the complexity of it, the mm-hmm. ideas, the themes, uh, even the, the, the level of the prose, everything. I mean, it is a labyrinthine, complex plot. And to think that the guy who, you know, who created that and so many other great works of, of literature that I and so many others have appreciated dropped this piece of shit, I, I don't even understand how it's possible. The, <laughs> I just don't The only thing I can, I can hope in my mind to hold on to, because Stevenson is in his mid to late 50s right now. Yeah, he's not. Is not that he's, he's an artist exploring himself. Yeah. And artists who are exploring what interests them don't always make a hit. Yeah, you know, it could also Jack, be... I'm sorry to interrupt. He, he could have just had a book deal with his publisher that he had to put something out. That's also true. Just, it feels half-baked enough where it could have been like, I got yeah. a deadline. Yeah, but tour books, he's not Stephen King. Don't make him write three books a right. year. Please I'm don't. by the way. I, it could be. Well, I don't but, even know that he's signed you know, but, but These are interesting books. points, too, because one of the things that fans of Neil Stevenson will tell you is that you know, he because of the way he pursues ideas so aggressively, um, even people who are fans of his work, it is possible to read one book and be like, that's the best shit I've ever read in my entire life. And then read another book and be like, yeah, that one didn't yeah, no. do it for me. Yeah. And I can tell you books that, uh, you know, I've read of his that fall in both of those categories. Um, that said, that's very different from reading one by him and just being like, well, this is not only the worst book I've read by Neil Stevenson. This is one of the worst books I've ever read. It was Whoa. so painful. Whoa, that's and, a good one. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I, and I hate, I hate, again, this author has done so much and brought yeah. so much to my reading experience. I hate that I'm now doing a podcast for hundreds of thousands <laughs> of listeners. That Possibly <laughs> millions by the time Indeed. it gets published. And where I have to disparage uh, mm-hmm. you know, his work. I, should I, it, should I creatively edit that where Mike just says, and I hate this author. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to update it every time we get a new listener. So it's like, I hate to disparage this author in front of 16 people. <laughs> I hate Neil Stevenson. thousand people. Yeah. Oh, boy. But it, 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 I'm conflicted. Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, it, it, is, it is hard to have to... You know, do an entire podcast where I, where I talk about how much I hated something, um, but you know, I, I'm also not going to lie, and I'm not going to try to sugarcoat what was definitely a bad book. It's weird because, like again, I, I don't know if I came to it from a weird place of trying to justify Stevenson and your guys' love of him and everything, and reading it another book from him. There were some parts that I was genuinely fascinated by, and I'm like, oh, this is cool, like, but like I said, nothing like. What parts? like I thought the character of Saskia was kind of an interesting character. I thought Rufus nah, had potential. Her. Hated him. But here's the thing. I thought that each one of them had like a nugget of something that could have turned into like something else. <laughs> or that other guy, that dude who was like, he was part um, Asian, part Dutch, and he was also American. Nah, I can't think I of his name. Him. Oh, he was Saskia's uh, like fixer. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I'm this like, is how memorable the book was. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, that guy. I thought okay, Willow. there's there's Willow. Oh, actually, he was the most interesting character in the book. Yeah, now that we've clarified yeah, that, there's a nugget of interest in these characters. I'm like, mm. okay, they could be interesting. There should be something going on with them, but it never materialized. No, it never didn't did even metastasize into anything other than just boredom. Saskia was an awful character. Is really? that a, is that how you pronounce the That's, name, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Now, okay. 
in order to finish the book on time, I did the audiobook thing again. Yeah, I, was I wasn't fini- finishing it. And so, yeah, I've got the pronunciations in my head right. thanks to that. So, yeah. So I, I felt like she had, you know, no real agency. She kind of no. just walked around She's like... Being, she was a queen being used. Being by led by other people. And, and all she, like, did was talk to her daughter about, like, who she wanted to fuck... And that and was not really even it. funny terms, right? Like not interesting, not creative. Funny. Yeah, not. Uh, it well, was, she's the she's the YT of this book in a way. Uh, no, I think nice YT crash, had though, much right? agency. Yes, nice, but, that yeah. was a good reference. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to like analogize the characters from this book to one that I know that he yeah, wrote this. Sure. It's very well received, and I felt like Rufus was almost like the um, the guy who was the greatest swordsman in the world. Whatever I can't think of his name. Hero, hero. Thank you, hero protagonist. How can I forget that? Say his name, yes. Sean. <laughs> I just did. Saskia is kind of like wise. He was a much weaker version of her. Much, yeah. Um, uh, Lox is like the the you know the ele- the, mele- the, bad guy? the bad guy with the glass, the glass dagger things. Yeah. yeah, and it's like there's a lot of similar archetypes that he's working from, and I just he just never went with them. Like no. with the characters mm-hmm. in Snow Crash, I I felt compelled by them at least. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I didn't at first. I didn't love the book, but I I felt like the characters spoke to me in a way. These characters, it was like they died in the cradle. Yeah, they had a they sure. had a brief breath of like, ah, and right. then ah, they were done. No, that's and a I, good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to have a little bit of patience because I was thinking, well, maybe the the people from the Netherlands are really this way, and their personalities are just not clicking for me. Kind of like the you know the English are like super proper and super polite and don't have emotions. But dirty motherfuckers but, when it comes to anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Lady in the street, but a freak in the bed, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> if you had quoting Ludacris on your bingo board... <laughs> go ahead and check it off. There you go. Um, but, so I was waiting, like, Red. Interesting character. Like, he had that whole Native American background. But that felt stereotypical to me even yeah. though he was trying very hard to be like my people are not stereotypical and to be a I don't even remember what kind of Native American was he supposed he's, to be he's a Comanche but Comanche. he's also he was part African American yeah. part Comanche and he always he spent many many, many pages waxing poetic on how Comanche is not a yes. race or a, a group it's a, a way of being it's basically. like a virus that has taken right. over America and right. so started off with the the Texas Rangers and like I found that interesting yeah. I agreed with that that was a Stevenson idea that I was like you know what that's interesting but that's another book but it never went interesting yeah. that's a whole it other never, book yeah no yeah. right and and so like to have this set of characters who I didn't connect with and I understand the plot is slow developing because Cli-Fi typically is unless you're gonna go into like oh my god there's like the one in a thousand year storm that's now happening again for the second time this year or some shit it's always going to be slow moving and slow acting and like politic but the politic wasn't intriguing here Mm -mm. until china and india started acting against america right it wasn't even america they were acting against another another world or whatever they called it like you know what is it was that the the uh not another world what was the Uh, netherlands yeah but no it was the all the like lowland Queen countries, of the Netherlands, or ne- something Nederland like or whatever. Yeah, it's like I kept waiting for the time jump. Like, okay, let's see the ten years later, yeah. and here's the termination shock with the whole fucking book is named after. Right. But no, it no. was only mentioned like twice in the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, and pe- you know, once TR got the gun started, they were afraid to act against it because then you know the climate might whiplash back, mm-hmm. and climate activists have been worried about this forever, and so they were right. Cool, cool. Yeah, what are they gonna do? Like. Why not have some, like, violent activist climate 
you know, like sun, Sunrise Movement kids who are grown up now, who are pissed off, do something. Bring in another American group to show the complexities I, in America. I got it. I got the perfect take for this fucking book. What's that? Whereas with Snow Crash, I complained that it was too outlandish, that it was too crazy, it was too unbelievable. This book is too fucking believable. <laughs> it's too That's boring. True. It's too real to yeah. actually be a good story. Yeah. It's like, well, I can actually see this happening. It's good job, Gil is, It is actual. Yeah. That's what's crazy to me is that that's something that nobody has ever said of Neil Stevenson before. Like, he's always, he always, <laughs> Tell me wrong. he always marries, like, the really, he always marries really cool, very, like, interesting ideas, you know, with, like, really badass plots yeah. and characters and settings. And that, it just did, did not happen here. <laughs> no, I think that's it, man. That's 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 my final take on this yeah. book. Is that it was it was almost too real for its own good. It was it is too real for its own good. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's such a shame too because uh, about two years ago he released a book called um, uh, fuck what was it called uh, Dodge in Hell was the subtitle and yeah, that the, was the last book tour he did and it was. So so fucking good. Like, it is one of the most interesting books I've ever read. It started as, like, a techno thriller. It turned into, um, like, a fucking Miltonian Paradise Lost thing. Whoa. And it ended up in the realm of, like, Tolkien-esque fantasy. What? Like, through the course so of, like, 800 pages. You know, and it got, like, mixed reviews from fans. Uh, I got pretty good reviews, I think, uh, from critics. But it got mixed reviews from fans because I think a lot of people just, you know, didn't get some of the higher concepts. But for those of us who love that kind of shit, like me, I fucking couldn't read this book fast enough. And he just did that two years ago. And then he turned around and, and like, dropped this. Spent two uh, years on 700 pages of shit. God, and it was just nothing interesting uh, in any way. Do you think this was, like, a passion project for him? Maybe. It was his, like, it was his baby. And he was like, I got to get this out. I got this idea. And it just... It didn't go anywhere. I have no idea. I don't know what he would say about the book if he were sitting with us being honest. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. he's got to sell the book. But, it, yeah. I mean, and again, all speculation, it's possible. Like, sometimes you start out, anybody who's ever tried to do anything creative, you realize you're, like, halfway through. You're like, this is not coming out the way I wanted, but I got to finish it. Yeah, you know, and, it's, it. and so maybe that's what happened. But maybe yeah. he fucking loves it. I don't know. That's I have true. no idea. And he won't tell you. No, he, he never would. I read his webpage for the lightning round, and he's like, if you want to pay me to show up, I'll talk. Yeah. I'm going to do zero prep. Right. I'm not going to know what I'm going to talk about. I never prep. If I do, it's awful. So I'm going to show up and be Neil Stevenson. Good fucking luck. Yeah. So, like, he That's just does awesome. whatever he wants to real. He is yeah. a super interesting dude. He seems and, it. and I, I cannot... I'm going to say it again because I think it needs to keep being said. Despite everything you hear on this podcast, I'm going to tell you this is one of my favorite authors. And I... I on any other day would be yeah. telling people, read everything you can by Neil Stevenson. Well, he about, is great. How about this? Listeners out there, you know, people on Podbean and podcast places, hit us up on some comments. Mm-hmm. Tell us that you want to hear something about another Stevenson book. We will go back to the grindstone. Yeah. Do you have and, one you love? Yeah. Tell us what you want us to do. Uh, I would give this guy another chance sure. because, again, I feel like I've had a couple of not living up to... to what Mike and Adam are saying about him, and I want to have that experience. So give us something. Mm-hmm. 
We will do another Neil Stevenson case in the future. I want to have we'll another Snow Crash experience. What's or tell bad. us you don't want to hear us talk about this guy ever again, <laughs> and we will never touch that again. Suggest an author. We'll take suggestions. What's really, what's really interesting to me is when you find those movies, um, like we've talked about The Last Jedi on this cast before, if you look at the Rotten Tomato ratings, and you see like the critics adored it, and the fans despised it. And sometimes you see vice versa. Yeah. You know, And it, that's always interesting to me is when there's that big disparity between the critics and the audience. And um, that, I've noticed, uh, is happening with this book. Because mm. almost all of the reviews, the professional reviews of this book, were positive. Very positive. You can pay Kirk And yet, you if want. you go on Goodreads, it has among the very lowest ratings of this author's entire career. Mm. His fans don't like it. No. I, and as one of them, I can agree with them. I, I didn't like it at all. So I, I, don't, I don't know why that's the case. Yeah. Critics seem to dig it. Fans like it's myself boring. hate it. Critics love it boring is. shit. It's yeah, like yeah. Oscar bait. It's that just could be. boring. Which mm. is yeah, which is strange because like, okay, I get some of the longer novels in American literary history have been award winners and mind blowers. You know, um, Infinite Jest and and the like. Going back to David Foster Wallace earlier, but there's nothing here. Yeah. I just I don't see anything here. Um, so it's we, rambling. Yeah. yeah. I, I like exactly. something I do sometimes, um, you know, with books to sort of test them is I'll skip a page or a couple of pages and try to determine like am, and now am I lost? Did I miss mm -hmm. something or not? And I did that with a good book, you're always lost. Like yeah. there's not a wasted word. Because it's yeah. so tight. And with most Stevenson books, I would say that's true. Like you miss important information if you do that. But I did that several times with this book, and I'm <laughs> like, nope, Saskia nope. is still talking to somebody about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, she's nothing still being candled by Wilhelm yeah. and Amelia. Exactly. Cool. Right, as I said, but I thought her character was interesting. I kept waiting for her to break out. Like they kept putting her in these boxes, and I'm like, okay, bust through that fucking right. box, do yeah. something. And she didn't. Nope. 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 Even at the end, like, it, it, or, correct me if I'm wrong, but she doesn't do anything, right? She's no, she rescued. literally. The last words are like, I have. A, I don't know if you've, if you've heard. Yeah. But I have a new job. Yeah. And it's about time that I do it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's like the setup of a Bond movie or something. Yeah. She's like, oh, know. she abdicated the throne. But that really didn't change anything for no. her. No, and her daughter could have came out swinging as a badass climate activist, like wielding whatever power yeah. she had as queen. But nothing changes there. No, it was just, just a disappointment. Right. Is the best word. You know, my my second question was, let's compare the book to Snow Crash. We've already done that. I'm gonna move oh, on. Yeah. Let's burn this bitch. <laughs> I, I would rather read Snow Crash again. I and that's would. telling you something, kids. Hey, I enjoyed Snow Crash <laughs> in reason. All right, I'm gonna pass out the bell. To Sean, oh, we got once, one. oh, you got one? Oh, oh I all right. So you can share. We have lightning two. round. Yeah, lightning round. So if you've never listened in before, you're in for a treat, dear listener. Uh, the lightning round is basically where I ask asinine ask questions of Sean and Mike. First one to ding in gets to answer. If they're right, they get a point. If they're wrong, they feel shamed for 30 seconds, I suppose. I are can't we still imagine tied? their interior monologue. We are tied from the end of last season. Okay, perpetually <laughs> tied. Let's go. Perpetually tied. <clears throat> um, but here's question number one. What is Neil Stevenson's title outside of writing when he consults? Can, am I allowed to ring in before the question ends, or was that a breach Fuck of you, etiquette? No, you can't. It's fine. <laughs> there, are, there is no etiquette here. Go ahead. Chief Futurist. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> I remember that from our last cast. He is... I think that's awesome. I want that title for no reason besides it sounds fucking intellectual. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it is awesome. Does. I want a little yeah. name tag that says <laughs> my name, Chief Futurist. Yeah. I, uh, I, I want my yeah. room made of lucite. With LEDs to illuminate it based on my mood. 
I want some some lightning round questions that are completely biased towards someone who loves Neil Stevenson. It's not. Well, no, that's well, going to be hard. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not. I didn't want to ask any climate questions or yeah. any like book Fuck. questions because we like the book, so it's all about Stevenson tonight. Sorry, man. You'll come back in it in the next guest. All right, number two. I always do. Oh, Neil Stevenson is working on a project called Magic Leap. What is it? And if you don't know, I'll give the point to the person who bluffs or bullshits the best. Magic Leap. Go for it. It is Sean? a series of children's uh, content tablets that will take Stevenson's work and translate it into various different age levels and uh, lexiles so that they can enjoy his material too. That's uh-huh. horseshit. <laughs> Give him a point, though. That was good. That, he okay, he that sold was it. Sean, Mike? <laughs> no, I. I you want uh, a chance at it? It's some sort of. This is um, like Boulder Dash. Just make shit up. <laughs> some, some sort of, um, like. Oh, shit. Like, what do you call, like. <laughs> Like the holodeck on Star Trek. Like, what's the word for that <laughs> shit? The holodeck. Oh, yeah, it's it's virtual reality hologram. Virtual reality. Is this some sort of virtual reality thing? I know this is true. I'm so this torn right now. Actually, I'm going to give it to Sean because his bullshit was better. <laughs> Mike just happened to luck out on that one. So it is the lamest fucking application of AR I've ever seen. Sorry, Neil. Sorry. Yeah. But, but he's, he's the, the chief, chief futurist, futurist <laughs> for Magic Leap. Which is an AR headset for enterprise applications, <coughs> so your business can fucking train you in 3D or some stupid shit like that. Well, wait, the name is Enterprise. Go out. Clearly, so they're going for Star out. Trek here. So I guessed. I guessed right. You guessed right. That's actually. Awesome. But but we were both bullshitting, yeah. and this bullshit was yeah. very authoritative. Sound. Yeah. <laughs> you too can buy into Magic Leap for fifteen thousand dollars. I wow. assume that's for one nerdy ass looking headset that does zero right and now. And it might be better than some of those, uh, you know, trainings where it's just slide after slide oh, after slide. After I call slide. those the wet and not mine trainings because uh. it's like they tell you what to do if something is found in your classroom that's yeah. wet yeah. and not yours. Well, I just Bodily feel like, fluids. Or... I feel like I'm ready to go back to work now with that bullshit thing I just spewed there. So you nailed it, yeah. I'm ready. You ready to get the, the info, or not the info, the um, the edu babble going back oh, yeah. on. We have a veteran English teacher here, oh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, last question. It's tied. As it <laughs> oh, the stakes, the stakes. In 2013, one of Neil Stevenson's books was made into a movie. Which one was it? Trick question. None of his books have ever been made into movies. You are incorrect. I'm pretty sure I'm correct, but I'm, I'm willing to stand uh, sure. to learn something. Sure. One of the ones that was published in the school. 90s. Ooh, whoa, whoa. good whoa. guess, good that guess. That would be nine, ten, eight tenths of his work, but all right, nobody gets that one. We untied! Yay! So I had to look it up on IMDb. You can't find it anywhere anymore, but Snow Crash was made into a made-for-TV movie. Get the fuck out of here. No, I wish I was kidding. I'm going to I'm gonna pull it up on Safari right now. Damn, I feel like I would have heard of that. Should we watch that? <laughs> Can we watch it live for uh, like? Well, a live Snow Crash, I believe, is actually being adapted into a miniseries right now. Okay, so, so it might be fun to do that. a compare and contrast. So in 2013, yeah, really. Joe Cornish Who? was the director. Oh. Of some Snow Crash. some put him on on equal footing with um, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, Martin Scorsese. Joe Cornish, yeah. Martin Scorsese. Word. I've heard that those words. No, never. <laughs> I mean. So let's true see. True cinephiles. He has he has directed Attack the Block. Oh. The twenty fifteen Ant Man. Oh. Adventures of Tintin. So he's not nothing. Okay. He must be like second second unit director or something on some of those because. <laughs> and he did a made for TV Snow Crash. Made for TV Snow Crash. I no looked shit. so hard I wanted to buy it. Didn't Alex Garland or someone do uh, Ant Man? Uh, I can go for it again. 
to fight. No, no, it's, it's, we have a castle wrap up here, Adam. It's okay. Yeah, let's just put a nail on this bitch, because uh, the last thing is always our recommendations, and I'm a hard no. Yeah, Go I... Go read Snow Crash. I, I, I want to, I again, stress that you should read almost any other Neil Stevenson book. You cannot go wrong. Um, but I'm, I'm a very hard no on this one. If you have a trans-Pacific flight that will take hmm. a very long time and you're looking for something to put you out, try this book. <laughs> Otherwise, get fucked. There you go. <laughs> Just do a bunch of airplane mini-bottles yeah. and oh, call yeah. it a night. All right, so... That's it for us at Nerds of the Old Republic. You can find us on all the socials at Nerds of Old Republic. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And um, we're going to see you next time with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Can I, I pause there because I'm not sure how I now feel. Now that is a name I have not heard in a long time. What if we're talking about Old Ben Kenobi? <laughs> <laughs> this is another one where Adam sits at the microphone and says, oh, no, 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 not that much. But... If you finish the Obi-Wan series on uh, Disney+, Plus, feel free to listen in. And if you haven't, go watch it. You could probably finish it before you pick this up. And remember, podcasts are evergreen. You can go back and listen to us whenever. All right? So thank you very much for your time. We are Nerds of the Old Republic. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.